Thank you all so much for inviting me to be here tonight. Um, it is always a pleasure uh, to join you all over here at AU. Um, this is my husband. I want to introduce him and also say thank you uh, for greeting us both and letting us be in your space today. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? Like one of those moments when the kingdom feels close enough to touch it and the love and the mercy and the justice and the grace of God seem to be flowing in and around you and the holy fire of the Holy Spirit is just burning in your belly and when you close your eyes it's like you can almost see Jesus smiling at you right? Has anyone had a feeling like that? Like when, you know, those moments when you can't stop your feet from carrying you up to the altar and maybe like the tears are just flowing and you can't make them stop, but you kind of don't want them to anyway. Sometimes those moments happen in places like camp or on a retreat or at a big rally or a concert. Sometimes they happen while you're going on a hike or while you're playing music or while you're reading scripture or praying or looking at a particularly beautiful piece of artwork. A lot of the Christians that I know have had an experience like that, especially those of us who are United Methodists. And I blame that partially on our founder, John Wesley, who had a particularly moving experience of God that he described as having his heart strangely warmed. Experiences like that um, have, well, experience because of that reason even made it into our Wesleyan quadrilateral, which is a part of our Wesleyan tradition. Seeing a little piece of the kingdom or a snapshot of the cloud of witnesses that await us can be a formative part of Christian life. In the scripture that was read for us tonight, Peter, James, and John get to have a moment like this. It is literally a mountaintop experience because they are literally on top of a mountain. There with Jesus, they see Moses and Elijah, and they hear the voice of God speak. It is such an awesome moment that Peter wants to memorialize it. He wants to stay up there on that mountain, and he even suggests building some houses for them all to stay in. I love Peter. I heard the other day that there are now some theologians who believe that Peter may have been very young, like 14 or 15 years old. Doesn't that explain a lot? <laughs> Can you think of any precocious, impetuous, scrappy 15-year-olds? Were you like that at 15? Like, can't you imagine that in this fantastic moment, that can only be brought to you by the Bible, right? Like Jesus is glowing radiantly and is joined by Moses and Elijah and the voice of God is speaking. And here comes 15-year-old Peter like, yo, Jesus, this is so cool, man. Like, dude, can we just stay here? I'm pretty good with a saw. I bet I could build you a house right now. And I can build some for these guys too. 
I don't know if Peter's age thing or, is true or not, but I really hope it is. <laughs> because I remember being 15 years old and having a moment like this. I wasn't on a literal mountain with the incarnated Christ, but I was on a retreat. I was on a retreat called Chrysalis. Has anyone here ever done Chrysalis or Emmaus? There's a couple, yeah. There's, it's kind of a big deal in some places in the Methodist Church, and um, I like it a lot. Uh, they, this retreat is um, all about feeling the closeness of God and experiencing just how loved you are. And I have to say that my retreat weekend with Chrysalis was the beginning of my call to ministry. When I really started to feel what the love of God felt like, when I first tapped into that stream of God's care for me, I wanted everyone to know what it felt like. I wanted to stay at that retreat forever. I wanted to bring everyone that I knew and have them all come up there with me. This was the first time that I realized that not everyone knows how this feels and I wanted everyone to know because I knew a lot of people that needed to know just how loved they are. And it became my mission to let them all know. So I grabbed my saw, right, and I was ready to start building houses up there. And uh, the problem with that was that I couldn't, right? Because if you stay up on the mountain forever basking in the glow coming off of Jesus' face, then you never want to go back down. And we have to go back down because there are people down there who don't know what this hope is like. We have had a glimpse of the kingdom of God and we have to tell people down in the valley what we saw up on the mountain. Just like the disciples had to come back down, they still had to get through the next weeks and months you see, before they went up on the mountain, six days before, according to the scripture, Jesus told the disciples that he was going to die. The six days thing is interesting to me. There's a gap in the story here. They've been moving around the countryside. They've been greeting crowds of people and schooling religious leaders. And Peter starts to finally understand who Jesus is and has declared Jesus to be the Messiah. And then Jesus tells them all that he's going to suffer and die. And then there's a six-day break. And we don't have any record of what they're doing in those six days. I imagine that if the disciples are taking Jesus seriously here, then they are not happy. They have given up their lives, left their families and their friends behind, left homes behind and jobs and security to form a traveling band of roving disciples and learn from Jesus, their great teacher. Now he's telling, him, telling them that he is in a lot of danger and that even though he is God and could avoid it, he is choosing to take it on because of his love for all of creation. They're probably really shaken. The future is not looking good and hope seems to be in pretty short supply. I don't know if any of you all are like me, but if you are, then hope may be in short supply for you as of late as well. 
the political climate, the social climate, the literal climate as the weather keeps changing and doing really weird things, all of it has been bringing me down. Plus, I have no idea what my future holds right now. Does anybody else have their future up in the air at the moment? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it can be really terrifying, let me tell you. Being an adult is hard, y'all. But a lot of, I know a lot of you know that. The disciples don't know what's in their future either. What happens to them if Jesus dies? What are they supposed to do without him? Jesus brings Peter and James and John up onto the mountain with him, and they are able to find some hope. They see the glory of the Lord in Jesus' shiny, shiny face, and now they have the responsibility to bring that hope back to other people. In the scripture, Jesus tells them not to tell the story until after the resurrection. And that seems like a kind of odd instruction to me. I think maybe Jesus knew that in that particular moment, they had not yet reached the peak of uncertainty. Maybe Jesus knew that everyone would need a word of hope even more in later days. My friends, I have to confess to you that I have not been about sharing hope lately. I have felt so much despair that trying to look into Jesus' shiny face has been a little too painful. When I read this scripture and started to think about the mountaintop experiences that I have had, I felt like hope was out of place. But we need hope. We need to look back up at the mountain and remember that those feelings are still there, that they're still real, and that we can still reach them. Even when we're walking through the shadow of the valley, we have to carry the hope around inside us and take it along as we move back down the mountain. The Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So as Jesus instructed, now is the time to tell people. We still have a reason to hope. The promise of the kingdom of God is the, is the only thing that will get some of us through the valleys of our lives. Any of us who have experienced the mountaintop have a responsibility to tell others about it. And if it is possible to lead folks up the mountain themselves, we should do that. We should bring them. And then we have to be the ones to say, no, you got to put your saw away. You can't just build houses and camp up here. There's more people that need to know. We all have to go back down into the valley. Everyone deserves to know about this. And there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> a lot of work to be done, folks, because there are so many people who are trying to sell us the opposite narrative. A lot of folks want us to believe that only some of us are the beloved creations of God. They may not ever say it directly, but they will act as if it is true. For example, I have a friend named Sarah who worked for the Chrysalis organization for a long time. She, like me, went on the retreat when she was a teenager and it changed her life. She learned that God loved her and she wanted everyone else to know too. So she started working with Chrysalis and leading worship for the retreats. She got married about a year ago and she was told after her wedding that she was no longer invited to lead worship or even be on the team anymore because Sarah married a woman. It is a sad contradiction that an organization that has been so successful at showing the people, showing people the love of God, 
that they would deny that same love and the opportunity to share it to a woman because she is a lesbian. We have work to do. So many people are being told that they don't matter as much as others. ICE agents waited outside of the, of the church doors of my husband's church like trapdoor spiders and arrested people who had taken refuge in the hypothermia shelter the night before. They were effectively told that they were not worth as much as other people, just like my friend Sarah was, just like members of the black community are told that every single time a black person is killed and there is no punishment brought up for the people who murdered them. Just like refugees from around the world are being made to feel like they are a dangerous and unwanted burden when they are turned away at our borders. The list of human atrocities and injustices goes on and on and on, and we have work to do when we come back down off the mountain. And so we travel through the valleys, and we keep the mountain in our hearts. May we be like Peter, eager to hold on to the joy of a glimpse of the kingdom. And may we also be like Jesus, who taught us that this joy and this hope cannot be kept to ourselves, but it must be shared with all of the world, and especially with those who need hope the most. Thank you. Amen.